0: hi everyone before we start the show i wanted to ask that if you like what we're doing here you might consider donating to keep it moving onward and upward we have a patreon at patreon.com backslash hegelbon and a paypal at paypal.me backslash hegelbon. five dollars a patreon will get you bonus episodes but even a dollar helps more than you can imagine because no cartridge is funded by listeners like you thank you no cartridge audio my name is trevor Strunk, kegel on twitter and i'm really really happy uh to have with me today uh well i'll let you say what you what you do at fail better but it's uh chris gardner um one of the one of the narrative leads uh, i believe at uh, at fail better games is that right
1: uh that's right i'm uh, uh officially narrative director at fail better now uh and i've been since um i guess halfway through the mariner which was our expansion to sun sea okay great um
0: now that's interesting i will have, have to ask if if you feel like the narrative direction uh changed at all when you actually joined uh but maybe we we i, I we'll get we'll give everyone a sense of uh the trajectory of uh of the fallen london sunless sea Submariner, sunless skies world first i guess um so uh what would you how would you describe your job uh at fail better like what does it mean uh to be the narrative director
1: um so <clears throat> My job, I guess, is to provide a kind of uh high level narrative <laughs> i'm going to say a high level narrative direction, which is <laughs> completely tautological that's um, good though we love but, tautologies here yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, a kind of a high level direction for the game, which means um, for example, if we take sun skies as an example, um it was my job to uh, come up with fictional uh, settings and uh, a kind of summary for what the game would be, what sort of stories we wanted to tell in it um, what sort of law from our universe we wanted to explore, okay. um, and what the kind of cool fictional elements about it that we thought players could latch onto um, and kind of sell that to uh, the rest of the team uh, <laughs> and that went through a bunch of changes as we talked about it more um, and honed it down and then once we've fixed on that, um, I am responsible for ensuring all of it gets done. So, <laughs> working out exactly what needs to be written and how it should be written, and finding people to write it, and sometimes writing it myself. Um, we have, we're all quite, um, we're kind of a bunch of polymaths a bit, fail better. We all do kind of a lot of different stuff. Okay. So,. Um, in addition to doing some writing, I'll also do design, I'll do editing. Uh, uh, because I'm a director, I'm on the board, so I do a bunch of administrative stuff and board tasks uh, and kind of contribute to the overall direction of the company. Um, I'll often provide uh, or kind of comment on marketing copy uh, for wow, the nice. games. So I don't think in many places it would be quite as broad a role as it is at Failbetter. Um, but it felt a bit pretty darn broad.
0: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, it reminds me, I talked a, a while ago with, uh, with Scott Benson, who's one of the, one of the leads on, um, uh, uh night in the woods, the, the recent mm. game. Um, and the way he described it, he, the night in the woods was a th- uh, made by a three person company and he basically said the same thing. I was like, well, what's your role? He's like, well, you
2: know, kind of a little yeah. bit of everything. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so you're kind of like an auteur slash, uh, manager slash, uh, whatever, whatever else fits
1: yeah i guess i'm a little suspicious of the word "auteur." i guess (laughs) but maybe that's just um maybe that's just some prejudices of it i think when i think auteur, it sounds like it's sort of one person responsible for a particular act of creation and they are left alone and nobody touches them and they just work in a vacuum and produce arts of incredible beauty that's kind of true i guess i guess that's not
0: quite right in a collaborative space
1: no that's right fail better we have uh, in our content process it's very um uh, every bit of content has a co-pilot so in addition to the person who's the main writer and designer it has a backup person on oh, great uh, who provides um, uh, kind of support if it's needed and provides like a sounding board to bounce ideas off uh, and they will provide design QA and they will also edit the piece when it's done um, there's also someone who will who, we'll have another person provide a mechanical QA on it to make it's, sure it's kind of bug free and it works as it should um, the initial content also go, always goes through a pitch phase, which is normally with me and the co-pilot, where we kind of hammer the uh, the, the the story into shape. So we work in a very kind of collaborative admi- environment, and I go through those same steps as well when I'm writing content. So, uh, yeah, so it's not like a, an to lock me in a room and I produce stuff thing.
0: All right. Well, uh, you know, it's, and it's interesting to hear that because, of course, like, so I started uh, in... And I guess like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to make you sound like you're you're um, trying to do the uh, like a cinematic universe here. But it, in a sense, there's like a there's sort of like a fallen London extended universe. Yeah. Um, and I started off in Sunless Sea not really knowing that I just kind of picked it up because it looked interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I put I put a, a ton of hours into it largely because and I don't know if this is a common feeling or not. I've tried to unpack it on the show a couple times, but it very much relaxes me, uh, the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not usually what I hear from people, but I <laughs> I find it extremely relaxing. Um But uh I started there and then a friend and I started talking about it, and he's recently gone into Fall in London, and I've started playing Sunless Skies, and it is there there is this sort of like expansive lore um in the Fall in London world that, it, that I'm, I'm interested that you're saying there's like the co pilot on there because it does feel it all feels very um very carefully. Uh, very carefully organized like there's a clear genealogy of information and data and it all lines up very well there's like a i guess to put it in the right way there's a very tight canon in your games and and that counts as your browser games as well
1: yeah i think that's a good way of putting it i think i'd describe it as um i think one of the reasons it's tight is i would describe it as fragile Mm. uh in that its tone is quite specific and it's quite easy to get wrong uh, <laughs> it would be easy to go um, like too steampunky, yes. or too comedic, or uh, too far into body horror, or something. There's all sorts of um, dangerous courses we could take that would kind of not quite fit, or or lead lead us down the wrong the the wrong route. And um, so we-, we take that stuff very seriously. I think that's partly about communicating the tone mm-hmm. of the game to the people who work on it.
0: It is a very particular tone. I mean, they're, they're, I I especially relate with the with the idea of like, uh, is it you know too much or too less steampunk, and then like the the question, especially in Sunless Sea, of um, of sort of like uh, including such a potent kind of figure as like Lovecraft in mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, like one of the things I try to say to people when I talk about these games is like there's a there is that balance. Like nothing ever gets over too overbearing and it all sort of balances out. Um I am really interested though. So a, a a friend of mine asked me at one point, um do you consider uh the influences on each sort of section to be fairly similar? Because he was we were talking about it and he he noticed that there was like some Dickens and Edward Gorey in Fall in London, or I'm sorry, yeah, and Wodehouse, um mm-hmm. some Lovecraft of course in Sunless Sea and um in sunless skies and and you know it's still early access of course but what I've played of sunless skies I can see what he's saying sort of like a a Jules Verne kind of like mm-hmm. um beyond the beyond the the horizon early science fiction feel um do you find that all those sort of reference the same thing or is there is there like a distinct uh set of influences that you're bringing to each game
1: that's a really interesting question we, i think we do <clears throat> we do Focus on yeah, we do focus on different influences in each game, I think. But we have mm-hmm. a core, <clears throat> but I think the core of it is now kind of solidified. Fallen London, Fallen London has become enough of its own thing that we can use that as a core, and then yeah. put different influences on different um, kind of incarnations of the setting. So uh, Sunless sea, um I think, kind of might feel a bit uh, a bit more uh, Lovecrafty than Fallen. Lots of Fallen London does. But I think one of the major influences was um, uh, things like the uh, Moby Dick and mm. the Irish um, kind of traveling myths of going to these different weird islands where there's something bizarre happening uh, at each one. So it had kind of a, a, a very strong nautical fiction theme to it uh, and the sunless skies we've pulled in a bunch of new inspirations as well um th- there is a, a a a feel of vernery to it i think there's also um uh lewis cowell yeah. wrote uh, a bunch of science fiction books uh i i think they're sort of clustered together under the title that hideous strength <laughs> um uh, and one of them calls that one of them's called perilandra and one of them called Ah uh, Uh, the something planet I can't remember Um, (laughs) but they're obviously they were works of science fiction written during the Victorian age and it's a very different direction to the direction we've gone in Um, but one of the things that struck us about them was uh, he was completely happy to make up his own physics for how space worked Uh, he didn't I guess we knew less about the physics of space then uh, but he didn't let the kind of lack of knowledge about how space works slow him down in any way. Um, so he kind of imagines ways that um, uh, space travel would work, uh, and he makes really interesting assumptions, like uh, it's really hot when you're in space because you're closer <laughs> to the sun and the stars, and the stars are suns, so and the suns are hot. Um, so when people get in their spaceships, they all kind of strip down. <laughs> oh, all right, <laughs> which is the direction we've gone in, but um, right with the heat, heat uh, mechanic, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but that did make us think about heat, and we ended up going a different way. We said that space is cold, um, uh, that rather than it being a vacuum, uh, that it's like being um, uh, outside in the Arctic or something. It's a mm-hmm. kind of freezing cold environment. Hmm. Um, so uh, our inspirations there were quite liberating. I think they sort of told us that you don't have to don't worry too much about don't feel bound by all those kind of laws of physics especially if they've become ingrained in sci-fi like <laughs> airlocks and aliens yeah uh, and and thrust and stuff like that you can you can do whatever you want and then when we realized we have that amount of freedom we could say things like how about instead of being in a ship you're in a train because trains are cool uh, <laughs> and then <clears throat> doing a bunch of research on trains and how the kind of railways work provides a whole new pile of material we can uh, incorporate into the game. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I need... guess we kind of use iterations as lenses on each of our titles.
0: That's a really interesting way of thinking about it, the idea of lenses. I, I like that a lot, because there's there's a sense in which, um, and I guess this gets a little more uh, into like the technical parts of the game. So if you wanna if, if if there's anything that you're just like, I don't know, or like I don't feel qualified, just feel free to say. But um I had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admire people who are um I, I feel like generally if you've been uh, if you've been asked to explain things often enough, at a, at a certain point you realize it's okay to say you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um but um uh it's interesting thinking about uh particularly particularly the video games or the more traditional video game uh elements of of the universe um going from sunless sea to Submariner to sunless skies um it does feel on some level like there are each each iteration has its own um each iteration has its own set of physics and set of um you know, ways in which the ship moves, uh, expectations that they that the player has to have. Um, so you introduce, of course, oxygen in Submariner, uh, mm-hmm. this other, uh, for anyone who hasn't played the, the, uh, the Sunless Sea, Sunless Skies of Mariner games, a lot of it has to do with resource management in that, like mm-hmm. your crew is eating food and uh, you're running out of gas and you're getting more and more scared and you have to manage these things. Um, and oxygen, of course, comes into it in uh, Submariner. And then in uh, Sunless Skies, there's this element of heat. There's this... Uh, uh, you, you changed the... I, I found it really interesting that you changed the uh, the fact that if the, cr- like, the crew gets bigger, it doesn't necessarily impact your food um, uh, yes. consumption, which was like a huge consideration in Sunless Sea. So when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's, that's going to change things a lot. Um, and of course, the movements of the ships are, are completely different um, in all three yeah. games. So I wonder, is that... Is that a process of just, like, differentiation? Like, do you consider all three sort of, like, standing on their own, or is that a process of refinement for you?
1: Hmm. It's a bit of both. Uh, the Mariner was um, uh, the Mariner was kind of an opportunity to address some uh, of the problems that we felt Sunless Sea had. Okay. Um, uh, like... Uh, you can be uh, sometimes you'll be travelling between two ports and you'll be basically sailing in one direction for uh, a, a few minutes and, and nothing happens. <laughs> um, and one of, the, one of the ways that mariner shapes that up is now suddenly you've got a choice. You can sail that way across the surface, which will probably be fairly safe, or you can dive under the water. Uh, and under the water you can find wrecks and discover things so you might uh find resources you can pick up down there but it's also much more dangerous and you can only stay down there a certain amount of time right before your oxygen runs out so the mariner makes that the the traversal in the sea more engaging
0: i see. yeah i, I see what you're saying absolutely and I've, I've you know again it's it's one of those things i i um i got my phd in uh in in literature so i uh mm-hmm. I know all about like telling people I like things and them saying it, it, it doesn't make any sense to them why I would like it. Um, so the, th- this is one of those things where when people complained uh, to me, they said you know oh there's they they said basically the thing you just said where like oh it's it's a little slow like I keep going in one direction and nothing happens and I get bored and like to me that's just that that was part of the immersion. Um, yeah. But I like I like the which is a way of saying like I like how you talk about that being solved in Submariner. Um, Insofar as that doesn't impact the immersion at all, it just gives you a different choice.
1: That's right. We we could have, for example, said, "Well, your ship moves three times as fast." Right. Um, right. But <clears throat> that would have demolished that that sense of immersion and and reflection. I think that you get in uh, your journeys on Sun and the sea.
0: Yeah, intention uh, too. I yeah. mean, the idea of yeah. like, oh, like I can't, I can choose to do a couple of things here, but uh, I have to choose to do them quickly because my fuel is running out and I have a long mm-hmm. way to go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and in Thunder Skies, I think we um, there there's still an element of uh, refinement. Um, I think the um, user interface in Thunder Skies has seen a lot of that.
0: Mm, uh, yeah, I noticed you know, that too.
1: We have things like a quest journal now, which <laughs> we didn't in Thunder. <laughs> <City>. um, <laughs> and uh, we, uh, but differentiation has kind of been a, a a significant part of Skies. How do we want to make this? different to sunless sea um what elements of sunless sea did we kind of touch on but didn't feel like we could really get to grips with uh and 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 address as fully as we might have hoped that we Mm -hmm. could address and what bits of sunless sea do we not want to duplicate uh and we want to uh leave behind us for this one um so yeah there's been a lot of that
0: Yeah, I mean, the maneuverability, I think, is like the main thing that I've noticed so far. And I mean, I'm sure I'm sure as the game uh, grows and expands. So for anyone who's who's hearing this and thinking of picking it up, I encourage you picking up all the games. They're all really great. uh but <clears throat> Sunless Skies, I should warn, is in early access. So it's it, it very much is, and I think you'd agree, like a yes. work in progress.
1: Absolutely. That's why we have early access <laughs> for us. That's what we use it for, yes, to kind of <laughs> test out these quite fundamental things like do people like how the ship how the train moves and stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah and it's it's neat. I, I, I find it very interesting because one of the things and again it's not It's hard to, it's hard to sound sincere when I say this and not pandering, but it's not a critique of how the ship moves in Sunless Sea. I kind of like the fact that it's a little difficult to maneuver the ship. It feels Mm -hmm. very honest. Um, But the maneuverability in Sunless Skies of the train is just, it's, it's very much that sort of like free movement you'd expect Um, with a little bit of awkwardness. You have to figure Mm -hmm. out exactly how the physics are working, but it's a totally different thing. It it changes the, it changes the feel of the game um, dramatically. Yes.
1: Yes, I think it has, it has very big ramifications for the combat as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, combat in Thunder Sea was quite sort of uh, measured and stately, I guess, and maneuvering wasn't, um, wasn't always a massive part of it, or kind of doing the same maneuver was often a massive part of it. If you could get around behind <laughs> right. your opponent, you were often all right, and it was kind of about sticking there. Um, but if we'd made the ship in Thunder Sea, a lot more manoeuvrable, which would have opened up a bunch of possibilities in combat. It also wouldn't have felt like a ship anymore, like a yes. big solid um, iron steamship uh, from uh, 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 over 100 years ago. Um, and that, absolutely, so we, that was another case where the setting of *Thunder Skies* was very freeing for us. We weren't chained by that perception of how your vessel should move anymore.
0: So this actually leads me to a question uh, that that sort of takes us in a different direction, but it's something I've always wondered uh, since I saw this poll. So uh, the friend of mine who is in who's into fall in London, he's fallen deep, deep into that into into fall in London, uh-huh. um, and it's it's one of those things where every time he posts something to me, I'm like, that seems really cool. Um, if I add another thing to my to my list of things I'm doing, I'll probably just you know never leave the house. <laughs> um, but I'm I'm close to I'm close to taking that plunge anyway. But the um, uh, Initially what I, I thought it looked kinda of like a browser game and it's it's a lot deeper than that. Um but one of the things that I I found so interesting was as he was looking into the depths of it, reading up on it, looking in forums and stuff like that, um he found a little poll you guys did a long time ago, like pre-Sunless Skies, where you asked the community uh what the what the next thing that they'd like fail better to do. Um, and there were all sorts of options. There was like, uh, there was something like you were like, you know, sunless sea, but maybe in a different area, which people voted for and, and sort of clearly became sunless skies. Um, but there were others as well, like, uh, like a, uh, a, a book of lore, um, with illustrations and, and things like that. Um, and I, I just wanted to ask, like, it seems so natural to, to take sunless, sunless sea and say like, okay, like let's reimagine this and let's work with the mechanics and let's think think through the setting a little more and do things we couldn't possibly do like that would be so exciting but was that um would Would you have really like would two questions I guess the one you can just you can answer however you want politically or not um uh, the first question is would you really have lived by that polar were you always thinking of doing sunless skies and then the second question is even if the poll had gone differently and you had done say the lore book um would sunless skies have been a project that you'd want to pursue regardless
1: uh so so it was definitely not a given that we were going to do *Under the Skies*. Okay. Uh, I, I realize that might sound like that might sound bizarre to people. I totally um, believe
0: you. I, I completely believe you. The, the <laughs>
1: poll seemed the
0: poll seemed very legitimate. All the options seemed like something that um, Fail Better would want to produce.
1: I think for a while, doing *Under the Skies* wasn't even on our radar as the next thing we would do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite keen to do it, and part of that was a business decision. It was looking at what have we. Got, um, uh, we 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 grew a lot as a company over uh, over the course of Sundar C and Sundar development. development, uh, which meant we were in a different place um, uh, at the end of the process than we were at the start. Right, um, and so we had to kind of decide uh, what was the best thing for us to do as a company, not just what is the game we really want to do, uh, <laughs> and uh, we had some we had ideas for. Uh, some completely different games we were thinking of the uh, law book thing wouldn't have been a like what we did instead of making a game but that was a really good opportunity to gauge its popularity Um, and if Sunless Skies had been very low on that poll we absolutely would have rethought Um, Mm. uh, but the the poll and then the Kickstarter were ways of gauging is there a, are people interested in more of this? Is there a market for this?
0: And yeah, I mean, based on the Kickstarter and the poll, I, well, certainly the Kickstarter, um, there is.
1: I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I just have a couple more questions. I know you're really busy, so I won't keep you too long. But um, uh, the, another question that I got from a, from a different friend who's, of course, very invested in the games. I have a, I, these kind of games always kind of build small, but um, uh, in, in my experience or with, within my friend group, small but extremely devoted communities. Um, (laughs) uh, they were wondering though, like what, if you had, um, if you had like a full studio, right. Um, uh, would you, what would you do differently? Like obviously fail better is, is a small operation. And in some ways that is like, you know, from, from any person who grew up in an indie scene or whatever, um, there's some, some very serious, uh, benefits to that. Um, but there's also some limitations in like, you know, Part of this question is him wondering, you know, was there any way that, like, you couldn't fit the kind of writing you wanted to do with the sort of mechanics that you wanted because of, you know, technical limitations or limitations of time or, you know, cost or whatever. Um, so is there anything that you would have done differently or would it have been pretty much the same game if you, say, had, like, the resources of a AAA studio?
1: Hmm. Uh, oh, hey, I honestly haven't considered this because um, <laughs> we kind of look at the resources we have and what we <laughs> yeah do no that. that's um...
2: that makes a lot of sense actually uh well I-,
0: I can rephrase it for you so you don't have to feel like you're you're um you're reimagining like or you're sort of like putting down the games because i think they're they're wonderful games in their own right um and i, I you know i can't imagine them as as triple a titles because they would lose a lot of their charm um but let me ask what's one thing that you wish you could do like given given world enough in time um even as a separate game within the uh, the fallen london universe
1: um there um, uh, i i'm not sure if this is a good business idea or not um uh, but i would love to do an isometric rpg set in fallen london itself Ooh, yeah! That would be loads of fun. That would be great. There is now no shortage of contenders in that space. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the case like three years ago, but right now there's a lot of those games.
0: I'm sure you could you could take on Paradox and win. I mean, why not?
1: (laughs) (laughs) The um, there is something that I think that was kind of never really on the table for Sunder Skies, um, because uh, of the, the resources we had and and we knew we wanted to try a whole bunch of new stuff with Skies anyway and we didn't want to sort of add a whole new completely uh, unknown element to it but some sort of multiplayer element by which I don't Mm. mean like you're sharing the same world and and zooming around in your own own space trains and you can meet your friend but something a bit more like um, uh, Dark Souls' ambient multiplayer interaction right like it would be lovely if um actions that other players had taken could affect the sort of political balance of the region for example oh that's or, fascinating yeah um you could find something like if like another player died you could find the wreck of their ship and um uh, i once made a a, a a small a smallish um fallen under star game of my own called below which was like a a card-based dungeon delving game, yeah, okay. it's using the kind of *Fallen London* framework of of, of cards with stories hidden inside them. Um, Sounds and, lovely. Uh, I, I, it, there were a few small uh, multiplayer option, uh, um, kind of multiplayer, uh, it, There was limited opportunity to do some interactions between players. Okay. Uh, in the in the the Story Nexus engine, uh, and um, I, I had this idea for thing, and I wrote it. Uh, sort of a bit on a whim where if you died uh you could basically send your corpse into your friend's game (laughs) and then they could find your body like on the level of the dungeon where you died uh and they could get a bit of treasure off it and like if you hadn't got very far the if you got all the way down they might find some really good treasure but if you died basically by the entrance all they got was like a uh a a moral lesson about there but for the grace of god (laughs) <laughs> uh, and people really responded to that they were there were people shooting their corpses all over the place to each other <laughs> uh, that's fantastic um and i don't know something like that could be really interesting i think in sunless sea or sunless skies where where death is very much a part of the game and something we expect to happen
0: yeah and i mean it already kind of is but that that that's sort of like um i, I like that the the kind of moral lesson or the marker it reminds me a lot of of dark souls and the ways that um the ways that people use the uh, the orange uh, messages
2: yes yeah. it,
0: right like the 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 sort of like uh, camaraderie of like watch out here comes something and you never yeah. know if it's like a troll or not or yeah no it's it's i, I like that a lot um i so, think there
1: probably would also have been ways to make that work with so in sunless sea we have yeah. the, we have these three sea gods salt stone and storm
0: I really Which, like those three C gods a lot. They're, they're really they're nice, fascinating, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, uh, uh, Alexis Kennedy wrote all that content, and it's it's really really good. Um, and it, um, but they feel one of the reasons they're so effective is they do feel like these distant, sort of um, unconcerned gods. They're not gods who are interested in your well-being and are and want to look out for you or anything. And they're not like, even really gods who want to punish you.
0: Yeah. Um, but, They're like uh, everything in Sunless Sea, just sort of like quietly male- malevolent. But
1: yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> but every now and again, their attention falls on you, and when their attention falls on you, stuff happens, and sometimes it's good and usually it's not. Uh, <laughs> right. But that, that kind of quite numinous space, where we don't, you don't want the rules for how that works, for how their attention falls on you, to be very explicit. That would be something where I think a sort of aggregated multiplayer element might be really interesting if uh, certain players were killing lots of beasts sacred to Storm, for example, then mm-hmm. every player is more likely to have encounters with Storm or something like that. I think oh, that's a, really smart. In, there's interesting places you can fit that kind of um, amazing randomizer of other human beings <laughs> uh, yeah. in the kind of fiction of a game.
0: That kind of thing that went with like uh I, I Demon Souls had that where like the, the the world itself was impacted by what other players were doing sometimes yeah. or like yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. It's it's the sort of um it speaks to kind of the randomization that I think um feels so unfair sometimes in in Sunless Sea, but is also something I kinda of love about it. Mm-hmm. Um that I can have a captain that, you know, lasts forever or I can die within the first thirty minutes and it doesn't really matter like yeah. how good I am at the game. Um like that sort of randomization within community is uh, is, is a powerful idea.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, it could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: so let me ask you. Uh, this can be sort of like a, a last question for you. Like I said, I don't want to. I, I know you guys are probably hugely busy over there dealing with the with the new release. Um, uh, what's your favorite piece? And and I know favorite. I hate saying favorite uh, because I hate answering those questions too. Um, I'm no good at top three books or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but um it can be one of your favorite don't, you don't have to feel like you're making a commitment here but uh your favorite piece of lore or your favorite character or your favorite sort of like storyline that either you've written or someone else on your team has written in um in the whole like fallen london universe Ooh.
2: <sighs> it could yeah, just my, be it could just be one yeah, you like too don't worry
1: it change like daily i think there's, Good. Yeah. There's there's a couple that always stick with me in Sunless Sea. There's a port called Station Three where oh, I love Station Three. Yeah. Experiments mm-hmm. are being done on corpses, and those experiments are about um, uh, kind of distilling experiences those people had out of them, and putting them to use. Uh, and it's it's and these experiences that people have kind of form nodules in their body that are extracted and analysed. Mm-hmm. And I have still not been able to read all of the content in it because <laughs> it distresses me so much. <laughs> it's so <laughs> disturbing. And so there's something about the particular description of how the um, the person doing the experiment extracts one of these nodules and then breaks it with a nutcracker. And even just saying that makes me feel physically sick. <laughs> it's, it's horrifying. Um, uh, and that was written by Emily Short. Um yeah uh uh if luminary uh and and she writes a a bunch of stuff for us anytime i can get her to write stuff for us is always wonderful um uh yeah so that's a particular one that it's a peculiar sort of favorite because i can't read it but (laughs) um, i'm very happy to know that it exists and i will never know all of it um (laughs) and uh what's another really nice one um the uh, emily short also wrote a in london story for us about a finishing school uh really? like a uh a, 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 a school to teach manners and sort of yeah manners yeah and stuff um and uh she we had this new little bit of technology which lets us vary what text shows uh within a single snippet of prose um She used this in an incredible way so you would recruit these children for your sorry, not children, these people for your school um, and then she this incredible piece of design where sometimes if you had a certain one of these with you and you played a, a, a story snippet you've seen a bunch of times before this person that you had with you would comment on it which <laughs> sounds kind of basic but it's something we'd never been able to do in for London before and then That's the way a great she idea. it, if you had certain combinations of people would end up kind of having arguments with each other um, as you uh, took them out. So if you brought this person and that person, and then you did this thing, you'd get like an exchange between them. Um, and it, was, it means that this, the, the, the whole kind of story of the school is, is lots of fun. But you can just play it over and over again with different combinations of, of people uh, in your class. And it feels oh, like a great idea. <laughs> and and they're, they're all so kind of delightful and funny and fascinating um and uh, it's just an amazing piece it's really really good it's it's called the empress's shadow um and it's a it's well it's a purchasable store you can buy in in full london um uh it released for christmas last year i think it's just it's really really good um and uh I, yeah i just love to go back and, and dig through the uh, the source files to, uh, to and always find something new that i haven't <laughs> noticed before just, yeah you're kind of
0: you're kind of lucky in that you get to just read the text you don't have to you get all you get all the all the tidbits
1: yeah 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 <laughs> i'm jealous i'm uh, writing a bit right now <laughs> i don't get i get less chance to write now than i like uh, which i need to do something about it. but um someone <laughs> today i, I was I, I was checking over our, our forums now reddit um uh, page to see if what kind of what people are talking about and and uh, what i needed to pay attention to and i saw a reddit post where someone's written is accidentally purchasing 500 weasels an appropriate reason to contact fail better support uh, someone obviously <laughs> misclicked and accidentally bought 500 weasels and they said usually i wouldn't care um but i don't think i'll need this many weasels in the foreseeable future uh and so uh, i've sort of gone well you think so, do you? So I'm currently just writing a very small snippet of story for anyone who has 400 or more weasels. Um, <laughs> I think this is a kind of a little advantage that our system has and Fallen London has. It's quite easy to get little snippets of content in without a lot of effort. You know, that, That's a hard thing to build a business case for, but as a one-off occasional thing that helps de-stress me during my lunch break or whatever yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's worth it um, well you got
0: you have like spies spies in the conate there like you're just uh they don't yeah. even know you're there at reddit huh
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yes at the moment uh, my favorite thing is weasels so yeah oh,
0: nice <laughs> and one of my questions was what, what what would you tell people to get them to understand the world of fallen london and i think the idea that these 500 weasels i don't need and then all of a sudden you might that that's yeah. a kind of a perfect uh a yes. perfect instance. Yes, you never know when
1: 500 Weedles might become. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you taking time out. I know you guys are are, are swamped over there with sunless skies, and, and rightfully so. It looks like it's going to be... I mean, I'm, I'm certainly going to end up losing myself in it, I know, um, just like the other games. Is there anything that uh, you'd want to talk about that we didn't touch on?
1: Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I always want to talk about lots of the kind of stuff we've got coming in skies that's kind of <laughs> exciting me at the moment because, you know, you see people working on stuff and, like, you see art painting a particular port or a particular kind of discovery for the players to find. Can you tease uh, any of it? Or? Um, uh, there's a... We've got a, a port... Uh, we've got a couple of ports that we've got some freelancers working on at the moment. So we use a mix of in-house staff and freelancers. Um, okay. Uh, we like to use freelancers uh, who... Uh, have a very different voice to the in-house staff, um, and can contribute something unique. Uh, and we've got a couple of ports out with freelancers at the moment. One of which is called Perdurance, which is being written by Meg Jayanth, who wrote uh, 80 Days Around the World for oh. Inkle, um, and she wrote The Isle of Cats for Thunder Sea as well. Oh, I love The Isle of Cats. That yeah, was actually. Isle of Cats is great.
0: <laughs> when you were talking about Station Three, I was thinking about Isle of Cats because the um, the honey. Um, yes, yes. The the red honey is like that. That's something that actually like freaks me out. And like whenever I, whenever it's like drink the red honey, I'm like, all right, I guess.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's writing a book called *Perdurance*, which mm-hmm. um is this kind of how to describe it? It's so it looks like this um wonderful. It's a cross between uh, 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 a kind of idealistic fairyland and a debutante ball, where this kind of one perfect day repeats, and the debutantes there, get to, they never get old, and they get to repeat this perfect day over and over, and they can do different things each day, but um, they never have a bad day, and it's always perfect and wonderful. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> uh, it, <laughs> always they, a but. There's always a but. <laughs> they are, in <laughs> fact, uh, although they are meant to kind of represent the best and brightest of the uh, British Empire, they are, in fact... Um, Hostages, <laughs> they're the the uh, the queen's hostages for the good behaviour of their family. Um, so they're kind of preserved in this sort of preserved in amber. So if she ever needs to exert political pressure, she can pluck one out uh, and and use them to kind of put pressure on their family. Uh, and there's a bunch wow. of kind of weird stuff going on um, in there. And it's just coming to it's just coming together really nicely. I think it's a, a really nice port. And um, Cass Corr is writing one for us. As well, uh, called Walbury Juxta Mare, which is the um, Victorian space equivalent of like um, uh, in Britain we have there's a uh, we have a seaside resort called uh, Western Supermare, which is like the world's worst seaside resort. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> it's always rained. Everything's a bit shabby. Uh, it's kind of economic heyday is is long in the past, <laughs> and Walbury Juxta Mare is a bit like that. Um, uh, it, and Cass has taken to calling it Evil Brighton because you can go there <laughs> and you can have all these kind of uh, uh, you can pass the time eating candy floss and and playing on the slot machines and stuff. But there's this um, uh, dark, seamy underbelly to the uh, port as well, and these kind of uh, terrifying um, secrets that are hidden under the surface, and something. Uh, uh something in the sea of mist that surrounds it that is calling to the people in the port and that's got quite a strong uh i think that's probably the one that will feel most lovecrafty yeah,
0: yeah very very like the drownies
1: yeah 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 that one's coming together really nicely as well oh yeah. i like that yeah wow these sound great <laughs>
0: um yeah no i i can see why you're excited it must be it must be exciting to be you know not i don't mean at the top in terms of a of a sense of like hierarchy but in in terms of um uh in terms of just like getting the 500 foot view that you get as director it must just be like neat to be able to kind of envision the map um even before it gets there in the game
1: yeah that's really nice um it's we we have a particular process for kind of dealing with that we um uh, I came up with some initial kind of skeleton documents that worked as kind of um, sort of landmarks to aim for, like this is the sort of port we might have in this region and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and then for each region we have a big content session where all the in-house content team get together, everyone pitches a couple of ports and some things to find and some characters uh, and we go into a room with a bunch of other people from the company, like we might have someone from art in there, we'll have uh, comms people in there, we'll have designers in there and um everyone pitches and we discuss about how to tie them all together and we throw some ideas out and th- throw other ideas in and that's how we form the kind of core of each of our uh, areas big big regions of, of space and that's felt really satisfying they are draining and exhausting but <laughs> they're enormously productive and it means everyone gets to kind of contribute and then once we build a big document out of that and we share that to the whole company and anyone in the company can read it and comment and add thoughts and oh that's lovely uh, chipping ideas and then i read through it all read through all the comments and then integrate all the comments that i can so it's it's a big kind of team effort to to create this stuff yeah
0: it's really i i like that a lot and i like i you know i i like that felt yeah i'm trying to think of the best way to say this i like that that's always how it's felt to me while playing the games that Mm -hmm. it is like it's it's a labor of love amongst many um yeah and it's it's really neat to be able to hear it from the from you and like to to kind of get it an account of it that says like yeah that's exactly how we do it um you know there's so many horror stories in 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 gaming dev about like oh you know who gets the, who gets say and who doesn't and who has to work the long hours and with, yeah. with no respect or whatever and it sounds like i mean it's just so cool that you're leaning into the idea of like the almost like communal authorship um maybe actually like communal authorship in such a in such a powerful way that's really neat
1: it feels it feels like it works really well for us i don't think it would work for every game uh, but for sure. london it's such a big this is such a big broad setting um that it's got lots of room for different voices um uh, we just have to kind of modulate them and make sure they don't feel that they're strained beyond the bounds of what is Fallen in london um, and yeah. we can normally yeah. do that by saying well if you tie that into this particular bit of lore it'll fit really nicely uh, and stuff like that it's hardly it's quite unusual we'll just say no, that doesn't work. It's it's it's, <laughs> it's normally that we say, well, we could do it that way, or we could tie it into this, and then players will recognise this character or this situation or, or whatever. Yeah. 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 It's also fun. There's the. I'm very curious to see how some of our, uh, system changes are going to be, go down in, Sunless Skies. Uh, like we changed how character creation and character progression works a lot. Yeah, I noticed skies. that because
0: um, i didn't have to i didn't have to make a captain at the beginning
1: yes yes that was uh, different you, you will <laughs> oh okay okay that's part of okay uh, gotcha you, you will when that more of that's in um we're we're finalizing the full creation system at the moment um and the we've only got like a sliver of the character advancement system in um but now when you advance rather than just increasing one of your skills you choose like a an event from your past that defines something about Ooh. your character and that changes your uh skills so you might choose uh scarred for example uh you, you might have a choice between say scarred or uh, a spelling prison or a mentor uh, and then you choose one of those and you will normally make another uh, minor choice like who was your mentor was he a sinister smuggler or a clever academic um or uh, how did you get scarred was it an accident an engine accident in the skies or was it during a, uh, an attempt on your life or something like that right um, and then the, depending on the choices you make those are what Affect your different stats.
0: Well, that's uh, that's really smart.
1: And we can tie those little nuggets of fiction. Uh, we we won't do this loads because the, it would ex- it would be, be a terrifying demand. It would ex- it, <laughs> the, the the combinations are terrifying. But we can t- reference those little bits of fiction in the game. So if you the that character who is your mentor could be a character we appear in the game, and they could could greet you differently than they would greet someone who hasn't taken the mentor past with them. Interesting um and we we're always looking for ways to kind of tie story more tightly into mechanics uh and i'm curious to see how this one goes down
0: yeah i mean it it really is an advancement of like the the elements in sunless sea and submariner where just a, a minor choice can change everything uh or just one thing or it feels like there's an endless amount of um dialogue trees which of course you know as, as you say <laughs> can't literally be an endless amount um but that feeling that feeling of just like minor changes being so meaningful um that's yes. that's really cool i think that's
1: one of the things that attract people to our games and i guess that's a weasel thing that um, a, a small <laughs> choice can have big consequences and you're never quite sure what will and what won't so it's that that element of surprise that uh, we're always trying to find new ways to uh, to work that in yeah nice
0: well, this has been lovely. Uh I I could I could go on for an hour. Um but I I <laughs> I can't imagine that uh that uh, that would be uh, amenable, but um it, really great. I, I I look forward to seeing more of the of the content in Sunless Skies. Maybe we will um I think it would fit the 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 kind of character of the uh of the podcast to to maybe stream some uh uh sunless uh seas or some mariner or sunless skies when it gets a little more complete uh so i don't you know i don't (laughs) i don't want to i don't want to uh put any sort of i know there's like no reviews on it or anything at this point because that's kind of not what the point is um (laughs) but uh but no certainly we'll we'll be keeping up with it it's it's um you know, if, if there if there could be a uh, a game mascot for the for the podcast, it would either be uh, Sunless Sea or uh, Night in the Woods. So it's it's <laughs> kind of uh, wonderful to have to have spoken to to both of to both narrative leads on those. It's uh, it's a re- real privilege. So thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. Um, obviously, go buy Sunless Skies, um, everyone. It's on Steam. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to plug? Anything that you think people should be checking out?
1: Uh, I don't think so. I think um, uh, if people want a taster of um, what Skies is going to be, *Thundersea* and *There's a Expansion* are, are great places to start. Or mm-hmm. *Fallen London* will give you a good taste for the world in the little kind of bite-sized chunks you can play in your lunch break. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And people, people, I, you know, it, it really, you'll get the misapprehension if you're anything like me or you grew up in the time I did that it's like the, the old browser games of. Um, you know, the, the late two thousands or the early two, I'm sorry, the late nineties, early two thousands. Um, it's a lot denser than that in like in very interesting ways. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, well, thank you, Chris. This has been, this has been fascinating and, and great. Please, uh, feel free to come back anytime.
1: That would be lovely. This has been really good fun. Thank you. Thanks. Cheers.